0: If you look at the songs that are most popular in the church, broadly speaking, then, yeah, I think people are just kind of like, I'm sick of this, you know, Jesus is my boyfriend stuff because I could get a boyfriend. Why do I need Jesus? (laughs) Um, And especially with the way things are at the moment politically and um, pandemically and in every other way, people just want to be reminded that there is a God who is sovereign over all of this and is more powerful than all the problems that we see in this world. Welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music.
1: I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Monet Funga, and today we're going to open up our Bibles a lot to talk about one of my favorite modern hymns, Behold Our God, what's the backstory to this Sovereign Grace hit, and we'll get a bit of encouragement in these troubling times from our great big sovereign God. All that if you stay tuned.
0: But first, we have a lot of new followers on social media since we launched our Christmas episodes last year, so welcome to all of you and we're grateful to have you as part of our impartial family we want to make sure you don't miss any future episodes so make sure to like and subscribe um, to our youtube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts and Subscribe to our email list at himpartial.com. If you're taking a social media fast for January, our email list is um totally free. All you have to do is put your email in at himpartial.com and we will send you each new episode every week along with some fun exclusive bonus content.
1: Yes, a huge welcome if you're new. Don't forget to show some love and if this episode encourages you Share it with a friend. Behold, Our God is a really lovely hymn about our sovereign God. And I'm really excited to dig into this song a bit with you today. Uh, but before we get started, Kara, what is your history with this jam? Do you have one? I do.
0: So this song is actually, we call this our anthem at church because Um, Our church is only like six or seven years old, I think. And um, one of the songs we sang a lot was Behold Our God. Um, It's it's an old favorite we come back to. So we kind of jokingly refer to it as our church anthem.
1: That is so funny because I was going to say, I think the first time I heard this was in a conference, but I don't actually think that's right. I think it's really just takes me back to our time in Edinburgh. And for some reason, now I know that I'm not crazy. I just associate this a lot with the church there in Edinburgh, when we are both part of the same church that you are now still part of, star still part of, goodness. Um, but it is a great song and it is a great conference song, whether it's that's the first time I heard it or not, I can't really recall, but it's a favorite for sure. So some fun facts, Um, this song is relatively young, but uh, one of the writers put out a compilation video on YouTube of like only 10 of the top different types of arrangements for this hymn. And the compilation is nearly an hour long. (laughs) And it includes a few different choral arrangements, a few different orchestral arrangements, one of those kind of like acapella loops, like in a pentatonic style-esque um, version. And one chap even translated it into Mandarin. I couldn't find how many times this song had been translated, but it has to have been more than just a few languages. Because I feel like this song has gotten really, really popular over the, uh, the last decade. Um, and there's also on this compilation, there's a string quartet that performs an instrumental-only version of this song. And I I don't know if I could technically call them a string quartet, because when I think of strings, I think violin, viola, cello, bass. But this was two violins, a cellist, and a guitar player. Does that count as? I think
0: the guitar would be suspect for purists.
1: For purists.
0: Um, (laughs) But you know technically it's a quartet of strings and there's four stringed instruments so it's a string in my book
1: (laughs) weirdly the piano is kind of a hybrid between a percussion instrument and a string instrument which I thought was very interesting because you think no it's not but yeah it is it's percussion it's little hammers that hit it but it's hitting strings
0: if you have access to a like a real piano like a not electric piano um just open the lid and have a look inside and then hit some keys and you'll see that it's just little hammers that hit the strings and that's what makes
1: yeah. noise. Yeah. It's so cool. That's a, that's a whole nother subject. That's like <laughs> reminiscent of our, of our organ episode where you're like, how does this work? It's uh, it's pretty cool. So the history of this song is pretty brief. Um, it isn't a lot of information about the song's background, but what I found was at least straight from the mouth of one of the hymns for writers. So this song was written or at least copywritten in 2011 by Sovereign Grace Mo- Music, and it was conceived at a Sovereign Grace Church's songwriting retreat. So for those of you who don't know, Sovereign Grace Church is a church network that started in the U.S. a few decades ago, but now has a network that spans the globe Um, And they're basically committed to planting and strengthening biblical churches. And Sovereign Grace Music is sort of an offshoot of that ministry. And for about as long as their church network has existed, Sovereign Grace Music has been writing hymns that encourage Christians to sing while being, quote, biblically informed, heartfelt and spirit empowered. So I love that. Just a little bit of background for them.
0: (laughs) It's a good goal. We like it.
1: We like that. We could we could we could support that, I think, at impartial. Um so this is just my personal feelings, a little side note. But if you've ever thought like, yeah, I mean I like hymns, but I'm not really into them. Like I really prefer modern modern worship music. Sovereign Grace music is actually a really good gateway drug. Like you start listening to them and then you'll be rocking out to 400 year old hymns before you know it. So give them a try. This is not a paid endorsement.
0: <laughs> it, it works both ways as well. If you're kind of a bit suspect of modern or more modern, more contemporary Christian music, then you have the benefit of Sovereign Grace having pretty sound lyrics. Yeah. Um, so again, it it goes both ways. If you want to get into hymns, but aren't used to them, Sovereign Grace is great. And if you want some more contemporary music, but are worried about how good contemporary music isn't, then again, <laughs> Sovereign Grace is a good, good yeah. medium.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So back to the song. Behold, our God came out of one of their songwriting camps and there were four writers and three of them were related. <laughs> So one of the main writers, Stephen, and I'm totally going to butcher this last name. I think it's Altridge. I think A-L-T-R-O-G-G-E. Sorry, if Stephen's listening, I'm sorry. I've butchered your last name if that's not how you say it. Um, So Stephen Altridge was at this retreat reflecting on scripture. What a start. And the passage he was reflecting on was Isaiah 40, 12 to 14. So... Cara, do you mind reading that verse for us, those verses for us?
0: I'd love to. So Isaiah 40, verses 12 to 14. And it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and whom made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding?
1: Yeah. By the way, if you have some spare time today, you should just read that whole chapter, because it is a fantastic reflection of the God we worship. So Stephen was reflecting on uh, on God in this, in these passages. And he and his friend, Jonathan Baird began to craft a series of rhetorical questions in the same way that Isaiah has. Um, And after writing for about an hour or so, Jonathan's brother and sister, Ryan and Megan Baird joined their kind of writing party. And for the rest of the day, the four of them worked on how to phrase and work the melody And the song was basically completed that day, though the final verse uh, whose focus is on the resurrection was completed later by Jonathan. Um, So you got two friends at a retreat and one of the guys brings his two siblings and boom, you got a pretty sweet hymn. (laughs) It feels too simple, but I love that their inspiration was just scripture. And I don't know, does that feel too simple to you compared to like some of our other hymn backgrounds?
0: Um, in a way, yes, because it's such a great hymn that you're like, there's got to be more to it than that. (laughs) But scripture is such a good foundation. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about it many times, but it's always encouraging when you're like, oh, I really like this song. And then you pull up a bit of scripture and you're like, oh, wait, this song is like straight plagiarized, but in the best way. You know, like that's that's so lovely that you could love something so much, and then realize that it's the word of God, um, that you're, that you're loving. So before I go on, I just want to read the lyrics to you because we're going to spend a lot of time being encouraged by their biblical roots. So here is the lyrics to Behold Our God. Who has held, who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. The chorus is, behold, our God seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold, our king. Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Who has felt the nails upon his hands, bearing all the guilt of sinful man? God eternal, humbled to the grave. Jesus, Savior, risen now to reign. You will reign forever. Let your glory fill the earth.
0: Amen. I love those words.
1: It's another one where like, as you're reading it, you're like, why are we reading it? Let's just sing, you know, (laughs) let's just pelt it out. Um, So Stephen actually wrote a blog post about this song. It's where I got kind of the backstory about it. And what I find interesting is that he's humbled by how much the song took off. He's apparently written hundreds of songs. I believe even his dad is a songwriter as well uh, for Sovereign Grace. But he attributes the success of this song to the fact that folks are starving for the glory of God. He says, quote, they want preaching and writing and music that points them to the staggering, stunning, absolutely beautiful character of God. Because of this, songs and sermons and books that point to God's glory will deeply resonate with people. And really That's the main reason why I chose this song as one of our kind of new year, new you episodes. (laughs) I love hymns that talk about our great, big, powerful, sovereign God. Do you think that this starvation that Stephen is talking about is real? Are we not hearing enough about the God of Isaiah 40 in the songs we sing?
0: Um, I think it depends on your background but generally speaking yes if you look at the songs that are most popular in the church broadly speaking then yeah I think people are just kind of like I'm sick of this you know Jesus is my boyfriend stuff because yeah. I could get a boyfriend why do I need <laughs> Jesus um, and especially with the way things are at the moment politically and um pandemically and in every other way people just yeah. want to be reminded that there is a god who is sovereign over all of this and is more powerful than all the problems that we see in this world and a god that's mm-hmm. just kind of like i love you hey you are aren't you awesome <laughs> it's kind of just it doesn't cut it at no. the moment well it never cuts it no. but it's a lot more i think we will see a lot more people looking for more depth in their music Mm -hmm. and in preaching. Um,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I find sometimes little same, same thoughts that in our church in our current church context, we embrace certain truths uh, more than others. Like for instance, we have this unique and intimate status with God. We can approach him in prayer because we're, clothed in Christ's righteousness. We're now sons and co-heirs with Christ. We have this unreal access that is real to the King of Kings. But that pendulum can swing too far where we forget how awesome and holy, meaning utterly other, God really is. He's not like us. And and this song reminds us no one is like him, not even close. So I was not surprised at all to find out that Isaiah's vision of God inspired this hymn. Because when I think Isaiah, I think, yeah, man, this this man had a front row ticket to the one who we call Lord of Lords. He, he you know, he he met the dude that was like, "Let there be light," and boom, there was light. You know, <laughs> you feel that grandness of of God in in Isaiah's um, writings. Um. So yeah, I I, I do agree. I do agree with you and with, with Stephen that there is a starving. And it's not necessarily because of a, a deficit per se. I just think it is the longing of our hearts. We're meant to serve God. And when we see him, even in our in our flawed ways, like described in song and writing and in sermons and in books, that shows how grand he is, even though we can only, you know, fathom a fraction of it. Our hearts are meant to like you know amen that they're like yes that's the, that's who I was made for that guy, you know, so
0: reminds me of that verse in Ecclesiastes, and I can't remember where it is in Ecclesiastes, but it talks about um he's put eternity in the hearts of man, mm-hmm. and I think that longing is just there, and that's why um songs like this really resonate with us
1: absolutely, one hundred percent agree so There is more scripture reference throughout this song. And I want to touch on some of the similar passages that, um, that kind of mirror what the song is talking about. So we know verse one and two come from Isaiah 40, which you can, which you read for us. Thank you, Cara. So when it comes to the chorus, it might feel a little more generic, but I have some thoughts. So behold, our God seated on his throne, I think there are a handful of throne room passages in scripture that we can think of. The first that comes to mind is Isaiah six, because again, like, you know, that, that throne room scene is like unforgettable. Um, with the cherubim and the seraphim and they're covering their eyes and they're covering their feet and they're singing back and forth. Holy, holy, holy. But I actually, I, I, I think, the chorus in its context um, with the rest of the song is more illustrative of revelation four where the apostle John is having this vision and he, he says, starting in verse one, behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne and John goes on to describe this awesome scene Four living creatures are flying around and they're basically singing like, holy, 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 just like in Isaiah six is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And then the 24 elders cast down their crowns and they're singing or rapping or praise. I don't know, chanting. I, I like to imagine that they're singing. Worthy are you our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So to me, this fits, it fits in with the theme of the whole song. Uh, I feel like the writers are painting the, the context around this scene in, in Revelation four with, with their lyrics. Um, because, because of, how there's no one like him and how kings tremble at his voice and, um, at his voice and God is seated on his throne. Obviously that's critical to the scene and all creation rises to rejoice, you know, and all the wonderful scenes of worship take place, um, in that, in that verse. So you really see this great scene of worship in revelation four and five, but It's really open. What do you think, Cara? Is there an argument for Revelation 4? Or do you think we're more sticking with Isaiah for the whole of the song?
0: I think there's an argument for Revelation 4 simply because Scripture is such a cohesive whole. Mm. uh, Which is a long word, sorry. It all (laughs) sticks together and (laughs) agrees with each other. And so if Isaiah has seen the throne room of God and Revelation is showing the throne room of God, then yeah, there's going to be crossover. It's going to be both.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, um, and in the last verse, last but not least, um, the last verse is all about Jesus, um, and the themes again here are all over the New Testament and the old in Isaiah as well <laughs> it's an Isaiah song, I'm just trying to find it in other places because obviously, like you said, the Bible is cohesive, it's in more than one place, but um I think. Uh, a verse that really kind of touches on most of the themes in this last verse of the song is found in Philippians 2 verses 5 to 11. So Cara, do you mind reading that for us?
0: Of course. So Philippians 2, 5 to 11 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I love that verse.
1: Yes, it's so good. It's so good. Amen. Um, Yeah, and, and this vision uh brings the vision of God full circle. This great big God who we've been praising for the first two verses. Now humbled to the grave but also risen now to reign I think the tag really seals it the tag of this song because I know some churches actually don't sing the tag which is a shame uh but the bit where they say you will reign forever let your glory fill the earth it's a call back and forth usually between men and women um funny aside I have heard the song many times mostly from the Together for the Gospel recording which are uh basic it's just basically a conference that they have in the US and they record the worship songs um and basically release a CD but this is I don't know if it's technically a pastor's only conference but it's definitely majority men that go Um, so you hear when it gets to the tag, which I, like I said, is usually a call back and forth between men and women. You mostly just hear the men, uh, in this recording singing, you will reign forever. You will reign forever. And they keep repeating it. It actually is really powerful. Just hearing them sing like, like full throated, like you will reign forever after singing all of that about, um, God eventually in the recording, Bob Coughlin, the leader of the worship, um, the music portion of the worship, uh, jumps in and he does the, the woman part, even though he just sings it in his male, um, tone register. I don't know what the proper term is, (laughs) but it is really powerful. It is a nice recording, but I do think since we're reflecting on the lyrics, like after you get to like the crescendo the last verse and then you just hear these men going you will reign forever you will reign forever it kind of feels a little bit like the scene of revelation 4 like you know we're just all in a big chorus like singing to the to the one on the throne have you heard that recording <laughs> i have because
0: the first time i heard it i was like oh this is slightly odd um because it wasn't you know you know and it's not what you're expecting yeah yeah because um, yeah. you're so used to one version that um you're kind of like, oh, we've lost the ladies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is really it is really powerful. Um, yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of the song. I really enjoy when we split off into parts. Yeah. We just get to belt belt it out. It's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Though I do, I guess it's a it's another subject entirely. But I do I do get why some people don't do tags and and bridges and stuff like that because sometimes it could be hard for. Um, congregations to pick up and learn though I do think this one is quite easy but that's an aside
0: for some people it's um the fear of repetitiveness mm-hmm. there's there's still this kind of anxiety about mm. we don't want to just be singing songs that are the same words over and over again yeah. um so I think for some people that's what it is yeah. I think as yeah. well the timing's slightly like it, it takes you a few tries when you, you've never heard it before to kind of yeah. get the the timing right on the two parts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But like I said, I do love that, that tag. I think it's really good. You will reign forever. Um, and the God we read of in the Bible and sing uh, about in this song will reign forever. And that's a wonderful promise for us, um, So very good song, thoroughly biblical, very encouraging. Um, In such tumultuous times, I know we talked about this on our last episode, but I wanted to offer up some thoughts of encouragement. So here on this show, we talk about church music, right? (laughs) Uh, We want to encourage folks to rejoice, even in times of sorrow, because the object of our worship is not our circumstances, but our great God as we've been talking about in this episode. But that being said, we don't live in a vacuum. And uh, we we don't live outside of this world. We, We know last year was really tough for a lot of people, and the isolation from friends, loss of loved ones, jobs, livelihoods, political unrest, and many other things. And as we've seen from recent events, that unease in our world has not really ended even though we're in a new year, and that's supposed to mean something, we, even though we know it doesn't. But I do hope that our little podcast in some way can point you to him who is sovereign, you know, the one who is in absolute control. And like our song today says, he's the one who knows all things. He knows what you're going through. He knows uh, your wants and your needs. And I hope you can sing this song whatever season of life you're in, knowing that God is in control of wherever this year takes us. And for that, I know I'm very, very thankful that, you know, the God we're talking about for the last two episodes is the God of the universe and we can praise him. So any closing thoughts on this, Kara?
0: yeah. Um, one of the things I love about this song, well, it's scripture really, but the fact that he's seated on his throne mm. um, and generally when you're sit down, sat down, you're pretty settled there and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I think that's also encouraging that he's not just kind of like sort of pacing about heaven, kind of doing stuff, but he's seated on his throne. So he's mm. sitting there and he's not moving and he's reigning from there and he's not going anywhere. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've sung this song, um, at baptisms, which are really happy occasions. And I've sung this song in, you know, the hard times as well. And in both, it's just such a wonderful reminder that in all things, God is reigning and he's sovereign.
1: Mm. Amen. Amen.
0: well thank you so much Monet this is an excellent song it continues to be something of an anthem and um, I hope you guys um, get to know it if you don't Um, and if you do then I hope that this episode has helped you to appreciate it even more we'll be back next week with another episode Um, and until then may the Lord bless and keep you bye
1: bye